Welcome to the Run From The Norm podcast, where we dive into the profound impact of individuality, self-expression, and authenticity within the running community. I'm your host, Jake Reynolds, and today I'm joined by none other than the dirty dog runner herself, Joelle Fott. From a world-traveling adventure racer participating in the sport at the highest level to a sponsored elite trail runner who raced all over the globe, including capturing an FKT for the fastest-supported woman to run the Zion Traverse, Joelle ultimately came face-to-face with the biggest challenge of her life, a medical emergency that threatened to change it all. You will be amazed and inspired by a woman who is known as much for her infectious, positive attitude as she is for her four-legged entourage that accompany her on every adventure in the beautiful Boise foothills. Join us as we explore not only the physical and mental benefits that come from a lifetime of seeking adventure and self-understanding, but also what inspires and motivates a unique individual to break free from the ordinary and truly run from the norm. Joelle, how are you? I'm doing good, thank you. Good. How are you? I'm fantastic. We had a great run this morning. You dragged my ass up the mountain like you always always seem to do. I had a ton of fun. We got through the fog, got up into some sunshine. It was uh, an amazing morning. So uh, we're just going to chat, and I'm going to start out with uh, kind of a softball question. My favorite kind. Okay. (laughs) So uh, if your life had a musical playlist... Uh-oh. What would be the title track? <laughs> oh, I'm the worst with music. I'll give you an easy one then. Uh, Maybe it's Who Let the Dogs Out. That is a great <laughs> one. Yeah, actually, that, I could see that. Because uh, you've got four dogs here. Tell me about your dogs. Dog names and where, well, where you got them and, and a little bit about their personalities. Yeah, I've had um, many dogs in my running career. Yeah. Uh, right now, I have a scout who is a German wire hair pointer. But he's retired pretty much because he has a bad elbow. Mm. So he just gets to go hiking these days. Um, I have Trigger, who's my little pointer pit bull, we're pretty sure. And he's the personality. Uh, We have Riley, who ran with us this morning. Also, Riley and Trigger did. Riley's a coon hound. She pretty much is 100 miles an hour all the time. Except (laughs) at home, she sleeps all the time. And then we have Zoe, who's a little kelpie kind of herding dog. And she gets to... Mostly stay home now with Scout and keep him company. Where did the love of dogs come from? You know, that's a good question. Um, I've always loved animals. We could never have a dog growing up. Um, So pretty much the moment I lived in a house that I could have a dog, I got a dog. And I've never been without one since. Just dogs or cats too? You know, I had a cat growing up, but just not the same. So uh, So where did you grow up? I grew up in Montana. I grew up in a tiny little town just outside of Bozeman called Manhattan. Oh, okay. Manhattan, Montana. Um, Great place to grow up. Super glad I grew up there. I spent pretty much um, till I was 18, till I went off to college. I was there. Where did you go to college at? Well, I started college at Marquette University in Milwaukee, uh, but I didn't last very long there. I think uh, stuff with family stuff going on, and then, I mean, I'm not a really big city person mm. either so being right downtown milwaukee was not bit of a change really my cup of tea um so uh, my parents had moved to boise and so i moved back into boise and finished school at bsu okay i was gonna ask you how you how you got to boise so yep. the family and then i've pretty much here. been here i i tried to move once after i graduated from college um i went out to minneapolis for 
about six months. My sister lived there, and oh, she wanted okay. she wanted me to come out there, and yeah. Just didn't it's, work out. It's just really flat there. Oh, yeah. Not much <laughs> there, hills to run up. not a hill. Never. No hills. So uh, uh, speaking of hills, uh, what got you into into running and trail running? And I, I was into really into basketball growing up. That was my sport. And I played nonstop. But then once you leave that, I just wanted to find something to stay in shape. I started going to the gym became kind of a gym rat and I met a good friend at the gym who taught like a lot all the step classes and things and and she invited me um to come run with her she had an extra bib for this race called the race to Roby Creek mm. and um and I wasn't really a runner at that point I was in shape but not really a runner and I was like 13 miles up a hill you know this sounds crazy but I did it and um loved every second of it couldn't really? walk the next day, but I I was from hooked from on. there on. So I started running um, roads and trails, but definitely, you know, had a love for the trails. And then I got living here in Boise. I got into mountain biking, and um, then I heard of this sport called adventure racing. There was this race in California, and you could put your name in to get on a team. So I got put on this team uh, with these two guys. They lived in Seattle. They were both army rangers oh, <laughs> so i got put on a team with these guys never met them in my life we we met up once in bend to do a little training day and night so i met two random guys and we rode our bikes and ran through the woods all night <laughs> and, you, and how long have you been running at this point I, I i don't know several years and i had been gotten really into mountain biking i was doing a little mountain biking racing um i was doing a little tr- you know running racing but nothing serious and I'd never really paddled in my life. I didn't really know anything about, I took a rock climbing class in college, but really didn't know much about ropes and climbing and and adventure racing involves all that. But we did this race uh, down in Santa Monica and we paddled in the ocean and we went, you know, for 24 hours and it was, yeah, I was addicted as soon as I did that race. And so I got really into adventure racing. um, What was the most exciting adventure race you've ever done? (sighs) You know, probably the the craziest one. I did uh, the Eco Challenge in oh, Fiji. Oh, did you really? Yeah, it was an experience for sure. We didn't actually finish the race. There was only a couple teams that finished the race. I remember Mark Burnett, who is like puts on Survivor and those shows now. Mm-hmm. He was the man behind uh, Eco Challenge. I remember him telling us before the race, you know, if any of you want your money back, this is going to be the hardest thing you've ever done. <laughs> he <laughs> and, gave you a way yeah, out. Yeah, and and then we had been out lost in the jungle for quite a long time, and we came out on this river, and there was an opening, and all of a sudden this helicopter lands next to, you know, by us on the river, and out comes Mark Burnett, and he was like, we thought we were going to have to call your families. We hadn't seen you guys for like two days. Was we, this just your we, team? Just or was our this team. <laughs> we were just lost. In we, Yeah, we spent a lot of time lost, but met amazing people. We spent the night in a hut in the middle of the mountains of Fiji with a family where it was a one-room hut. Um, we slept for a couple hours. I remember waking up and one of my teammates there was like a chicken roosted right next to his head in the hut. You know, it was just. So you were completely off course. Completely and off course. Really? Yeah. We, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, tell me about like a day of uh, that. Like what's it look it like? It was. Uh, so it, it became kind of a race of um, trying to get locals or, you know, Fijians to help you find your way because it's a jungle. You, I mean, we had to have a machete. That was part of your required gear. 
And so you couldn't, you couldn't, there was no landmarks. It was impossible to navigate. Just a, a compass? So, yeah. I mean, that's all you can use in an adventure race is a compass and maps. You can't use any sort of navigational equipment can't like we have these days. your cell phone. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the teams in front were then paying off the local people not to help the people behind them. Oh. It became a very interesting race. But anyway, I remember one day we're traveling and this guy was helping us kind of like showing us a way to go. And then he's like, okay, you just keep traveling up this river for a while, right? And we're like, okay, how long will it take us to get to this next point? And he looks at us and they're all barefoot, the Fijians. You know, they travel everywhere barefoot. And he's like, for me, one hour. For you, <laughs> four hour. Really? <laughs> and it was so true. Like they could just run up these rivers and we would be slipping and falling with our nice shoes on and everything, you know. And They just they, need to way through just could go. It was really cool. Interesting. Did you have but any worry about like snakes or cheetahs? Or was, I don't even know what's in there. Ah, there was big <laughs> spiders, which is my least favorite mm. of all things. Mm. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I don't know. I wasn't really afraid of anything. I did get some sort of um, infection in one of my cuts. And when I got back to the United States, I like my leg swelled up and I couldn't walk on it and had to go to infection specialists. And they're like, we don't know because it's from Fiji, like it's some weird bug. So it took a while and it ended up being some sort of uh, like strep related infection, but- Just pump you full of antibiotics yeah. and yeah, it keep your fingers crossed. Yeah, it eventually went away. Interesting. <laughs> I didn't lose a leg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thankfully. Uh, but no, that was probably the most exciting. We did some cool races. I did a neat one in Mexico. Um, I did lots in the US. We did, there was a couple urban adventure races which were pretty fun. There, we did uh, New York and Chicago where you'd go around the city, basically. We had to run up the Empire State Building. Really? We had to run up Sears Tower. We, I think, scootered through Central Park at like two in the morning. Holy Just smokes. really kind of crazy fun stuff. So once you start getting into it, is, is that how it kind of perpetuates from there? Like they just, you know, you've done this adventure race, so they say, yeah. hey, here's another well, one? Well, you or? got on, I mean, it was pretty popular then, and we would get, we got sponsored. So we'd get our ways paid for, basically. And I, my teammates, I had a, a group of uh, teammates from California and another group from Colorado, mostly, that I raced with. And it was always, it was either three or four person teams most of the time, and and the co-ed teams are the ones that were in there for the money. And so we were always co-ed. So I was usually the female because the fastest teams generally were three men and one woman uh. or two men and one woman. You know, so I was the, the token female on the team. <laughs> <laughs> Which, but it was, yeah, really fun. But I spent lots of nights thinking I'd never been so cold. Oh, you know, lot, lots of miserable times, but always for some reason. I think I think because you got back into places where nobody else got to see. It's just surreal. Because you, know? you you would just you weren't on trails, you were just finding your way. So would you normally you would always be with these same same people? Yeah, then? you had to stay together. That's the rule. Okay. So like you start as a team, you finish as a team, you go to each checkpoint as a team. And some races are like twelve hours, some are twenty four, some are expedition where it's like six days. When you're doing this, so say you're doing a six day event, do you have I mean, I assume, you know, you're going from checkpoint to checkpoint yeah. then and you're having to carry all your gear. I mean, are you carrying so, a sleeping bag? Yeah, or? I mean, you carry what you need, but like at trans, there will be your stuff at transitions. Like they okay. would transport your, say you're going from trekking to biking. 
Like you would get to your bike okay. and then you'd leave your bike somewhere. What's the required gear for something that, like that look like? So there are sections where you would trek, you know, so you have your pack with whatever food you need, whatever clothing you need. Um, then biking, same thing. There was rope sections. So you there was a lot of rappelling. So you'd have to carry your harness and your, you know, all the things you'd need to rappel. Okay. Um, or there's like Tyrolean traverses. There was in Fiji, we ascended a waterfall. So you had to carry ascenders and, and that sort of thing. Just um, amazing. And then paddling, you know, you'd get, they, they usually supplied the boat. Sometimes we brought our own boats, but it was usually like two person kayaks. It was mostly flat water. Hmm. In Mexico, we got to do a, a whitewater rafting. One section was just like a whitewater raft and that we actually had a guide in the boat who, was in charge. It wasn't our team. So it was more like just a fun section where we got to raft. And I remember we were race. I was on team spider at that time. And, uh, the two teams that were our biggest competition were team Nike, who was winning everything. And then this team from Mexico team buff. And so it was the three of us that were, it was a four day race. And, uh, but one section, when we got to the whitewater rafting, they're just like, it didn't really matter. And we got there at the same time as Team Nike. So we had four in each boat. So I was in a boat with a couple of the Nike people. And they would have one person from each team had to get out and climb up this thing and jump off into the water, you know, like a cliff jump thing. And so... You get extra points for like backflips or... Yeah, no, <laughs> I wasn't... Water is not my forte. <laughs> but the girl on Nike was like, the girls are doing it. And I was like, oh, okay. So her and I got... Which, I mean, it was awesome experience, but terrifying. Because I'm pretty sure if I'm going to die, it's going to be in water. <laughs> yeah, you've already said my that. Most, my most terrifying uh, time in the water was actually one of those urban races. And oh, really? we raced... Uh, so we're paddling in Lake Michigan off of, you know, mm. by Chicago. And uh, and it was huge, huge white caps, just huge waves. And we were in individual boats. Usually I was in a boat with somebody else who was a better paddler than me. And mm. So I'd feel safer. But I was in my own boat. What, and are, the, what are the boats? Are they it was inflatable? Just a kayak. Or? No, it was a hard shell, single okay. kayak, but flat water okay. kayak. Okay, okay. But um, the waves were so big, like your teammate would be next to you and you couldn't see them if they were at the bottom of the wave and you were on the other side of the wave. You know, oh, it was huge waves. And I, yeah, I was pretty sure it was going to be the end of me that they'd never see me again. And which but, which race do you, do you think is your favorite out of all the ones that you've done? Oh my gosh. That's a hard, hard thing. Probably it was Primal Quest and Telluride. It was an expedition. It was my first expedition race, like a six day race, but gosh, you know, it's so beautiful we were between 10,000 and 14,000 feet pretty much the whole time and it the scenery was unreal so that's probably my favorite although they're all really <laughs> they all had their own you there's know, something really unique cool. about each one that yeah. just makes it special I mean, we did one down like kind of death valley area so we were pretty much below sea level the whole time and running was really easy <laughs> it was like oh it's so easy to run here so yeah and all the i'm sure all the, the scenery and and in the different engagement with the people of the different cultures if you're you know yeah. going to fiji or mexico it just it just makes a, a completely was, different experience for each one a lot of fun yeah. so what was your goal with that did you or did you have one was it just something no. you were just kind of you were just doing or are you just working at I the time doing. too i or? was working too um but and how yeah, did you fit all it. that together um my boss was really nice mm. <laughs> and she would, you know, let me off when I was going to races. And, and so at that time I, um, I didn't have any kids. 
had a dog, you know, it was pretty easy to just go as I wanted. And that's kind of, I mean, a good transition point. So I um, had my son in 2004 and um, I had been racing a lot of adventure races, but then I just didn't have the time. Mm-hmm. Once you have a child that you have. Changes things, yeah. <laughs> you don't have all the time in the world to run all day and bike all day and just play. So I kind of had to pick a sport more and that's trail running was probably my favorite. And so I just kind of buckled down and decided trail running Started was my focusing sport. focusing on that. Yeah, and I still, you know, mountain bike and things like that, but I only did a couple adventure races after that. And which, I mean, the timing was good because adventure racing kind of got less popular. There were less races you could go to. Travel got really hard. I mean, when we would travel, we would take our bikes and our paddles and our, you know, our climbing gear. And nowadays, if you had to do that, it would cost you a fortune. Yeah, you'd have to and rent, back rent then, a charter another plane yeah, just for your back gear. Back then, we had it all, and just they could—they'd let us bring it all. So it so was, was kind of just perfect timing then to, to have that experience. And so, okay, so then you're doing the adventure races, and then and then you know your window of opportunity starts to narrow a little bit with getting out, and you start to focus on running. Yeah. And so, where does that start to take off? Because well, so it's interesting because I so. When I did this race in Mexico, an adventure race in Mexico, I raced with um, Dave Mackey, who okay. at the time was like trail runner of the year. He's from Colorado. And and another guy, uh, Travis Macy, who's also a really great runner. Um, his dad was one of the original adventure He's an OG. races. Yeah. yeah. And so these guys were really, really good. So you were really in the thick of it when it was yeah. really... yeah. Okay. So I raced in Mexico with them and usually I could hold my own, no problem. Like a lot of times the female on the team was a little bit slower and would get towed, you know, like on the bike, they'd connect a little tow rope, but I had never had to have that happen to me. So we go to Mexico and, uh, Dave Mackey is such a fast runner. We're on these run, we're running and, um, and they really wanted to beat Team Nike. It was a huge goal. And so they were going really fast. And so he connected me to him on the run. So oh, I had geez. a little I had a little tether between him and I. So I had to run as fast as he was. I mean, he was pulling Dragging me along, you right? Along. So you had to go fast. And he, I mean, bless his heart, he's an awesome guy, but he is a serious racer. And he didn't care how I was doing back there. We were going to go this speed, right? And so on the downhill, he's a crazy fast downhill runner, and I'm connected to him. So I just had to go fast, right? So two weeks after we got back from Mexico, I raced uh, Way Too Cool, which used to be probably the most popular 50K and that's um, in and the for United those States. that don't know, that's that's down. It's in Cool, California. Yeah. It was in March, so it was the first big run of the year, and everybody used to go to this race. And so two weeks after this race in Mexico, I'm doing way too cool. And I had never really been super competitive trail racing. But after being towed by <laughs> Dave, by Dave. Uh, two weeks before, I was like running downhill was so easy for me. I don't know how big Dave is, but but you're not a huge gal. I mean, yeah. you're, you're very petite <laughs> and I can only imagine Dave is quite yeah. a bit bigger than you yeah. are. So it was and probably stronger. a bit of a challenge. It was, but it made me fast, you I know, bet. and I had no fear on the downhill. And so I got to way too cool that year and I won and I beat all these sponsored athletes. You know, and I so you was, just came and out I was of kind of a no one as far as it goes. And you signed up for way too cool because why? I 
had done it several times before. I loved the race. My okay. dad lived down in California. Um, yeah, we. Oh, it was just kind of our March thing to go down there, see some green grass, <laughs> and it's a and it's a really great race. Like they put on a, a really fun race, and so and you won it. So I won, and then and I beat these people who are sponsored. I'm like, well, how do you get sponsored? You know, and um, one of the girls was running for Montreal, and I had gotten a hold of Montreal, and it all worked out, and they offered me a sponsorship. So then I started. So that's how you running. Got, got in with Montreal. Yeah. But and I kind of no. owe it to Dave because he. He made he got, me run fast that day. Hey, whatever it takes. <laughs> right? Right? Now you, so you didn't have specific sponsorships in adventure racing? We then? did. We had different sponsorships, okay, though. Okay. Like Spider sponsored the race in Mexico. Um, we were sponsored by an insole company when we went to Fiji. So it kind of varied. So do you have to go chasing those out? We did. Okay. Yeah. Going, going to Mexico with Team Spider, I was there. The FEMA that they normally raced with got injured. And so I was kind of there, a backup. Gotcha. So I got lucky with that. Okay. But they weren't my regular teammates. And my son was just a baby then, so it worked out really well. So what happened I, after that? You, you, you so went I, so way I too started, cool. And so I, you know, started doing a lot more trail races. And uh, when I was adventure racing, I was like, why would anybody run just run 100 miles? Mm. Like, that seems so boring, right? It's, it's fun to run a while, then you get on your bike, and then you get in a boat, and you do all these different events. But I would never just run 100 miles. And then I get into trail racing, and you're like, oh. And then you're like, okay, I have to do something longer and something longer. So I really liked the 50K, and then I decided I should do something longer. So I signed up for uh, Miwok, which is 100K. In, and where's this one? It's, it's by San Francisco also, okay. so it's also in California. And it was a real popular race at that time, but I'd never done anything longer than a 50K. And so suddenly I'm doing this 62-mile race. And I remember riding, I, I got a ride with some people randomly, and I'm riding in this van to the race start, you know, in the dark of the morning. And they're all talking about their goals and this and that. And I had no, I'd never run that far. And they're like, you know, saying what they expect their times to be. And, and they're like, you've never run a 50 miler? And I said, no. And they're like, oh, it's going to be hard. And anyway, I ended up beating all those people in the van. Really? <laughs> yeah, I had, I really, it was a, it was a really fun day. Um, it was very rainy, which was kind of a bummer. So the views weren't as good. It rained for probably eight hours of the race, but I ended up finishing fourth, which I was really happy with. I was under 10 hours, which the people in the van were like, saying nobody will fin you won't ever finish under 10 hours so I was I was really happy so why do you think that was what is it that you know. think that you that you were able to capture just, that just, just I think I just enjoyed myself out there I mean I obviously there's some sort of natural ability with it um I I wore a Timex watch my watch uh died about an hour into the race it, it was so rainy I think rain got into it so I had I had no idea how far I'd gone, what, how long I'd been running. One time I was by somebody, I was like, what time is it? You know, I just, <laughs> I have no idea what's going on. I didn't, didn't know how to eat. Um, I was going to ask you, so what's your nutrition, yeah. you know, look like? That is my struggle. Okay. Um, I'm a terrible eater when I run. Mm. And so I remember once being interviewed, uh, by I run far mm -hmm. after a race and, and he asked me the same thing, like, so what do you eat? And I was like, well, I try to eat a cliff block an hour. And he's like, so like the pack of, and I'm like, no, like one of the little gummy blocks an hour. So in like a 10 hour race, I'd eat 10 gummies, So, which is not really helpful. It's <laughs> not. And that actually kind of, that's a great segue. So 
I had the great opportunity to uh, help crew you a little bit at Western States. Right. And so, um, <laughs> you know, I got to see a little bit of that struggle as it gets farther into the run. And you're just tough as shit, really. Like you still were able to power through and, and complete. So, But I was never very, I was never successful at 100 mile races because of the fact I could, you just can't make it through 100 miles without getting enough nutrition in. And I, I don't know, but something with my stomach, I just can't, I can't take goose. Um, yeah, I just, I struggle eating. So, so 50 milers were kind of a, sweet probably spot. my favorite because you don't really have to eat a lot. You know, you can get through 50 miles without a whole lot of nutrition. So that was, I enjoyed those races a lot more. I, I mean, I ran Western States five times. I finished three times. And uh, yeah, all of them were, I did great the first part. And then the second part, I did terrible. <laughs> so then, then let me ask, what's your relationship with that mental game and the struggle, especially in these longer runs when you're struggling with your nutrition I mean, you've got to really deep dive yeah. and, and play that mental game to keep yourself moving forward. Yeah, so I mean, I think that? mentally I'm pretty strong, but once once your body doesn't have the the energy it needs to keep going, it's pretty tough. Um, so, what do you think your most difficult race was that you did trail race? Mm-hmm, that's a good question. Um, I mean, probably one of those western states, just because. Just that longer distance. It was just that and, longer distance. Like and and to not finish twice. Um, I I finished pretty much all the races I did. And so not finishing is is really tough. And then you really regret the decision after you make it. And I mean, I wasn't ever injured. You know, it wasn't because I was, I was hurt. It wasn't because it just it's, I just didn't have anything left in me. Hmm. And um and was miserable. So, <laughs> so like I, so the very first time I did Western States, I mean, it was very new to hundred miles and, um, and I was doing well. Um, I was in probably third place at halfway through the race or something, or no, I think I picked up my pacer at Forest Hill and he kept saying, oh, this is amazing. Your first Western States, you're going to finish third, you know? And then, then a female would pass me. And, oh, first Western States, you're going to finish top five. This is so great. And then we get to like mile 80, and then another woman passes me. And the wheels and, just start and coming And he keeps changing. Oh, your first Western <laughs> States, your top 10. You know, I ended up finishing seventh, which was, was good for my first impressive. Western States, but it shouldn't have been like that. You know, I, w- I was so far ahead. And then to. So how do you recover from that mentally then? I just didn't do many hundreds. (laughs) Well, you find your sweet spot and you stick with it. Yeah, I mean, I really, I, so um, they started doing this ultra trail world tour Mm. towards the end of my racing career part. Uh, And so if you won certain races or you could get invited to these races and they would pay for certain things. They'd pay for your airfare. They'd pay for your entry, depending, and you'd get invited. So I got the opportunity um, to go race in Australia. And when they sent me the invitation, it was like this North Face 100. And I was like, oh my gosh, I so want to go race in Australia, right? But oh, 100 miles. miles. Oh, can I do it? You know, and I would, I was like, well, I'll do it because I want to go to Australia, but I'm not going to do good. But then I realized, oh, when they say 100, 
they made 100K. Oh. So it was 100 kilometer. And then I was really happy because You're stoked. I like, like I 100Ks. Are, 100Ks are great. How did that um, race go? It went, it actually went really, really good. I got over there. I had terrible problems with my flights getting over there. So I got over like the day before or two days before or something. But anyway, I got there and um, we were there a day before. And my, uh, my friend was living in Singapore at the time. And so she met me there, my friend Sherry. And uh, so we went out on the course the day before just to look around a little bit. Do some recon. And it was stairs everywhere. So rather than like switchbacks there, they build stairs. It's in the Blue Mountains of Australia. Hundreds and hundreds of stairs, cement. That, that wasn't stairs. in your training plan, was it? No, I, had, I hadn't run one stair ever, and so um, that just well, this got to mess with your gait and everything. And so they had put us up in a house, and we were staying with this uh, girl from Spain who had also been invited, and her Nuria Picas was her name, and okay. she at this time was like one of the most amazing yeah. female ultra runners that, and, and, and still is, she was staying with us, which was, which was interesting. And she ended up winning the race. Um, but I ended up coming in second, which was oh wow very exciting. Apparently Although, you're good at running the stairs. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So what, so it ends up, and I know like towards the end of hundred K I'm going to be slower, right? Slowing down. And, uh, it ends up like 500 stairs. And I was like, okay, the worst thing in the world would be to get past at the end, at right? The end, Going on up the stairs. stairs. And, it, and I, oh gosh, I can't remember the girl's name who was in third and she raced for Red Bull. She's a really, I can't think of her name right now, but a really great runner. And she was catching me and she was on the stairs at the same time as me. She finished that close. So you're just running for your life yeah. at that point. <laughs> it was, but it was really, really fun. And I, all I wanted to do was see a kangaroo and I didn't see one kangaroo. I had to go to like the zoo <laughs> to go see a kangaroo. <laughs> a bunch of people saw kangaroos out there, but I didn't. I'm like, I'm in Australia. I need to see a kangaroo. <laughs> Gotta see something. See, see one go racing across on right? the stairs or bouncing right. past. And so I had out. met some people, you know, down there and yeah, then they'd send me pictures of kangaroos all the time. Cause I, I That's awesome. to see one. Oh, you've got to see but, all, all parts of the world then. Yeah. And then the next year I got to do through the same thing. I got to go to New Zealand and race there, which was amazing. I mean, so the, yeah, these places I probably would have never got to go. So it's because of trail racing. I've asked you this with the ad adventure racing, and this sounds like it's going to be a hard one to yeah. answer, but what's your most favorite ultra memory oh, or race? Yeah, there's so many. It's hard. You know, those ones going to other countries is really great, but so many great races. I think I always loved uh, Waldo 100K in Oregon. It's a smaller race, but it was nearly 100% single track mm. in the mountains and, you know, lots of long climbs and you go by a bunch of lakes and and the race directors were great and you camped in the parking lot the night before. I slept in my car, you know. So I think just small races like that are probably the, really the best. Yeah. I mean, I my last uh, competitive while I was sponsored race uh, was the first year they did Broken Arrow down in Tahoe. And I really enjoyed that. The The community there is really, really good. Yeah. So I think, I think those kind of races. So you're, so you're running then still at this time for Montreal? Yeah. Is that your, your only sponsor? Yeah. So Montreal, we, I also ran with uh, Drymax. So okay. Sox, mm -hmm. um, who's the best ever. Uh, I ran with uh, Cliff Bar. 
Actually, I'm wearing my Dry Max yeah, right now. Yeah, I wear Dry Max every day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I will forever when I run, I think. Um, yeah, so there was a couple, but it was mostly all through Montreal. Montreal uh, had always been owned by Columbia Sportswear, but they're kind of a separate little entity. They were more with Mountain Hardware. Okay. Um, but then Columbia decided to take over the Montreal part more fully, so we became sponsored by Columbia Sportswear instead. Okay. Uh, which changed things up a little bit, I think. I remember, yeah, I remember hearing about that and the changeover. I didn't realize that Columbia actually yeah. had already owned them at yeah. that point. And they, just they owned were... Montreal, like they owned Prana. They own a lot of these smaller okay. little companies that you don't really know are under the umbrella Under of the Columbia. conglomerate. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that changed up I Did they just... relationships a little bit. So I, um, I had been dealing with hamstring issues for a while. And, um, that spring I got a cortisone shot in my, in my hamstring. Um, cause somebody told me that would make it feel a lot better. <laughs> and I was like, well, I want that. So I got that and it did, it felt a lot better. I raced, uh, Peterson Ridge rumble and it was feeling a little bit better at that point. And then we did an FKT down in Zion. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about yeah, that. Which was amazing. So Montreal had this new, uh, line of shoes and it was their FKT models. Okay. And so they wanted some of the athletes to go and try to get FKTs. And so Amy Sproston and I, uh, decided to do it together, and we'd go down and try to do the Zion Traverse. Okay. Which I'd never been to Zion before. Yeah, sure, we'll go do that. And I, Amy had been training for Western States. She was in great shape. Um, and, I mean, I was in good shape, too, but I just, I thought she would get it, and I would kind of be supporting her, right? And so we take off in the morning, and... Um, so you're both running for the FKT? Yeah, you just take both, off together? Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. And, you know, like, if we stay together, fine. If one's feeling, you know, we go at our own paces, but who knows? Is this supported or so self-support? No, it's, uh, it's not supported, but we do see, so they made a little um, video, you know, YouTube thing of it. And so we had a camera crew, but they could only see us at certain parts where we crossed roads because they have rules in national parks of mm. videoing and things like that. So we only saw them a couple times when but we But nobody's would feeding you water or nutrition no, no, or any so of that. And I... I mean, I didn't know the route really. So I just wrote on my arm, like if there were turns, like the trail names I needed to take. <laughs> At the big cactus turn left. Yeah, yeah. So I <laughs> I took one little wrong turn once, but it didn't take me off too far. So that wasn't too big of a deal. And then my friend uh, Rick came down. And so he ran a lot of it with me, um, but he couldn't be like if... When we'd see the camera crew, they didn't want him in the in mm, the, spoiling the shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he would well, either it's have promotional to, material too. Right? Yeah, sure. it was for Montreal. So he would have to get ahead or get behind. And so at one point towards the end, I kind of lost him when he had to get behind. And we're I, talking Rick Valentine. Yeah, yeah and so I just guy. had to keep going. Uh, but so I had somebody out there to talk to and chat with, you know. So I wasn't just all alone. But anyway, Amy ended up having some troubles, and so she dropped out, and I kept going. And I did get the FKT by, like, six minutes. I mean, it wasn't a lot. It was really fun. Yeah. And so I had a great run there, and then I went and did uh, Smith Rock, and I got a course record there. And then I went to Broken Arrow, and there was three of us together most of the race, I would get away on the uphills and they'd catch me on the downhill. And it's up and down and up and down and up and down. It's a really steep race. So anyway, it ended on a downhill. And we had we had gotten away from the girl that was in third person. So it was just two of us. And uh, and so we're 
going the final downhill and she was like, let's just finish together. We've, we've worked so hard this whole race. And I was like, no, you're, you're faster than me on the downhill. Just go, you know? And so anyway, I got second there, which was still really fun. And I had a great time. And then a week after that, uh, some friends and I planned to do the Wonderland Trail around Mount Rainier. Mm. And um, we were just doing it like for fun. We weren't going for any fast times or anything. So we decided to do, we're going to do it in three days. So we'll do like 33 miles a day and go sleep at night and then do three. But so we get there and we go to like a ranger office just to go say hi. Go check in. Go check in. <laughs> go check in. And they're like, well, it was a big snow year. Ooh. And they said, there's still so much snow on the trail. They said, nobody's been all the way around the mountain yet this year. And we're like... Challenge accepted. <laughs> but, you know, we had planned this time away. We're there. We all met there. We had a friend who lived in California. And the three of us were um, from here, from Boise. And so we're over there. We're like, well, we might as well just try, right? Now, when you say you're breaking it up into three days, are you are you sleeping on the trail? No, so uh, my friend Rick, his dad lived in Tacoma. And so the, he came and picked us up and then we slept. And then he had another friend who lived really close to the trail. And so he picked us up and we s- slept at his house that night. So we okay. always had like a warm night nice. and meals. There you go. <laughs> and then they'd drop us off where we ended the next morning. So yeah, it was, it was really fun, but it was, there was so much snow. But you did make so it all the way snow. around? We made it all the way around. Nice. We got lost one time. Luckily, my, my friend Jose was there and he put the route in his Garmin watch, which at this time I didn't even know you could do that. <laughs> and so I still just- Are you my, still powered by I'm Timex? I'm still powered by Timex. <laughs> and so he had this route in his watch and thank goodness he did. I mean, we didn't plan to do that. Thank goodness he did because at one point, like you couldn't see the trail, it's just snow. And we get off trail and he's looking at his watch and he's like, we're getting kind of off. And we're like, oh, it's okay. We're just going to go down this. And we kept going down, down. And he's like, yeah, we're really far off now. So we're like, oh, okay. We So we're like, well, we'll just like take a bearing and we'll just go towards the direction that we think we need to be. And so we just went up, ended up finding the trail or at least a trail marker, which just the top like just three inches out. were out of the oh snow. But the first two days, it was just rainy and foggy. I mean, it's still beautiful, but you couldn't really see any views. Mm. You wouldn't know that there was a giant mountain right next to you, right? Was it just, super cold? Or? It, it was cold at times, um, and times it was okay. But the third day, the it cleared, and it was blue sky, and it was amazing. amazing. Yeah, we went like it. over a big pass, and it was all snow, and we run down the other side like little kids, you know, like you're running a down a snowbank as fast as you arms can. Up, uh, arms up, You don't smiles. care if you fall. You just run. Yeah, it was. But I do have to tell a little story from the Wonderland Trail because the first day we, you have to cross a river, the the Mowich River, I think it is. Mowich, I'm not sure. Anyway, but it's it's pretty. It's not deep, right? But it's cold and and anyway, we get to the edge of the river and I'm like, I just kind of go across, right? And I get across the other side, I look back, and the three guys that I'm with are like walking up and down, trying to look trying for the, to find best, a dry the spot. best spot. Well, you're not going to be dry, <laughs> but like the least, you know. You're showing the boys what's up. You're just <laughs> but getting I was right like, across the water. So I get over there, and I sit on this log. I have, I have this picture that I love. I'm sitting, I take a picture of my feet just perched up on this log, and I'm just sitting, and they're all over on the other side, back and forth. And they all end up crossing pretty much the same spot I did. There was no better spot. And they get over. So the rest of the day, I'm making fun of them, right? Like, 
you know, you guys are, you guys are <laughs> sissies <laughs> trying to cross this river. So the next day we're running and we have to cross this creek and we get on a log and it's like this kind of log bridge thing. And it's, and I slip and oh. fall right into this creek, which I pretty much go under. And this is in the morning and it's slightly snowing out and it's cold and I'm drenched from head to toe. So it was like karma. I was going to say, did they start giving you grief <laughs> oh right Oh my gosh, they, they were very nice to me because I was frozen and they like, gave me gloves and clothes and stuff. But yeah, they made fun of me. They made sure that you got <laughs> But it was back. definite karma because I made so much fun of them for crossing that river. But oh, anyway, funny. the whole point of the story was like, did that around the mountain and got home and had like a sore ankle from running in the snow so much, took a day off or something and then went for a really easy run um, just here in town and I was maybe 10 minutes into the run and I felt uh, like a pop or something weird in my leg and I couldn't run. And I was like, oh, that's weird. You know, maybe I need to walk this out, whatever it is. And I told my friends to go ahead, I'll catch up to you. And I walked for a while and I couldn't run. And, I, and so I just walked back to my car and I'm like, something's definitely wrong. I can't run. And so the week kind of goes on and it, it hurts a lot, right? And I finally went in and I found out that I had ruptured my hamstring, like complete off the ischium. So the upper part of your hamstring where it connects to like your butt, oh the whole gosh. thing was just ruptured off. And, and did you feel any buildup to this? You said so you, I had the, been having this hamstring pain for a long time. Like okay. I had tendonitis in the hamstring, but you know, we're runners. We right. just you keep run running. Through Something's going right. to hurt, right? Mm -hmm. But I think the fact that I got the cortisone shot it, kind of masked it a little bit, maybe. It masked it some, but it also tends to uh, be hard on tendons. Oh, and can, interesting. Yeah, cause them not to be as strong. Now, and I do remember you going through this and when you had that yeah. injury. So what happens at that point? I mean, you're on the top of your game. Yeah. You're, you're really yeah. running at a high level. So and I want to get into your training too, but like this right? just stops everything. Yeah, and so I, and they tell me, you know, usually we probably won't reattach it it'll just scar back on some more. Cause it, it wasn't like a, like a football player when they rupture their hamstring, you know, it's this big strong move and it goes all the way down their back of their leg. Mine was just slowly, slowly, slowly. And then finally it came off. And so it had only, you know, it had come off millimeters, you know? So it's not like it was way down my leg. It was, so if it scarred back on somewhere. It was close enough. It might be able to come Yeah. Kinda... So, but I just couldn't run. So I, and unfortunately, I had gotten a spot into UTMB. Oh, and geez. so this is this is the end of June. You know, UTMB is August, right? And I'm like, can I, can I? Is there any way? I, is there, can I do it? You know, and I kept, the hope, I kept the hope alive for sure. I'm like, well, if I just don't do anything, you know, and gosh, I you know it wasn't better. And I still went over to UTMB and I supported a friend who was racing, but I couldn't race. And and I could feel it getting worse and worse, my hamstring. And so when I came back, I um, had, they finally like, yeah, we will reattach it. So I had surgery. surgery to reattach it. And I also had gotten a spot into um, Iger. Uh, it's what's a, Iger? It's the, it's a big mountain over in Switzerland, <laughs> the Iger. Oh, doing the, oh. Yeah. Okay, and so the they had a hundred K, I think was the race. Wow. And so I had gotten into that race and I had gotten like through this, you know, like transportation, a place to stay, and it was a big deal. And so I'm like, well, I want to be back for that. And it was the next, I can't remember what exactly when it was, but 
but it made me try to come back too quickly. Mm. So I didn't really let my hamstring heal enough after the surgery and tried to come back and tried to come back and and I it, I tore it slightly again and so then I had to take more time off. I, I biked a lot and eventually it re-ruptured. Oh jeez. Um, and then I didn't have surgery again and I just kind of left it and it's actually been pretty good. So it must have scarred on <laughs> somewhere. Interesting. And it's been feeling pretty good, but I mean, it's never, it's never going to be, it's never going to be the strength that was. And, and okay. I didn't know that whole story of, I, you know, I knew that you had the yeah. injury and I knew it was taking a while for you to come back from it. Uh, so what does that do to your mental game? I mean, well, you know, so then I lose my sponsorships cause I can't really race. Okay. And, and yeah, you racing was kind of my identity, identity at yeah. that time you know that was my self-worth like uh, if I do and it's good not in just races, racing like you know you it's your know, whole just, community it's, it's it's yeah your whole community yeah. and you're doing it at, at the highest of levels yeah. so it was pretty devastating I'd say how do you deal with that oh I don't know it just I mean yeah I was sad <laughs> I can only imagine and you're somebody who is always wearing a smile yeah and I can only imagine how devastating so I that was. I mean I did a lot of uh biking a lot of mountain biking I bought a new mountain bike <laughs> enjoyed biking um and then once I could run again, I'd get back out running. It, and it definitely wasn't at the same level, but I, I mean, I always just ran because I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just to race. Sure. I mean, I never, I probably could have been a lot better than I was because I never trained wasn't real in particular. Focused, I didn't, I, I never did speed work. So, I never had a coach. I never had that sort of stuff. So okay. it was mostly just because I enjoyed it okay. and then had some natural talent, I think. And, yeah. and stubbornness. And I just so, wanted to run all the time. Uh, so on, on that, you're saying you never, you really didn't have a, a focused training regimen. No. But you just, but you still were able to, to maintain and, and run at such a high level. What would your, what would a week look like for you running? You know, here, yeah. we're here in Boise. You know, um, I'd go out, just go on the trails every day. I mean, that's what, that's kind of my happy. Hours? Yeah. I would, I would say, I mean, I was probably running 70 to 100 miles a week just but nothing of any focus you know I'd run with my it was mostly just running with my dogs and so if they wanted to stop for a drink in the creek we'd stop you know it wasn't like okay I have to keep going at this pace or I have to go this distance I've got my watch going and I I better pause it if I'm gonna stop I never had a watch that told me how fast I was going or how far I'd gone I, I, I remember um my good friend Sherry and I when we were first we getting into it and I was getting into racing. Um, we would always run dry Creek as our favorite loop. We'd run mm. dry Creek every Thursday. We'd I'm glad run you dry brought Creek. that up. Yeah. We had dry Creek Thursdays and, and we'd be trained and we're training for a 50 K right. And this is our training loop. And then someday somebody ran with us and they told us how far it was. And it's only like 14 miles. And we're like, oh, this is our only 14 yeah, miles. But this is our training for a 31 mile race, right? Yeah. And we think it seems so much farther because it was yeah. it's kind of a hard I was just gonna say for those that haven't run Dry Creek, yeah. <laughs> it's it's a beautiful, a beautiful um, area, the beautiful trail to run. run. But it's it's pretty it gets pretty hard to get up there towards the top and it's steep and you're really It's got great climbing. It and does. Great, but 
in our minds, you know, it's got to be like 20 miles. Exactly. Yeah. And then somebody tells us it's, it totally ruined our whole, because in our minds, we were perfectly trained. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of funny when it's a lot of a mind game, like, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I 100%. felt like I was fully trained. And then when I knew, oh, it's only 14 miles, then I had to do more. It almost sounds more. like that, that really was almost your superpower is that you didn't get so focused on, you know, like heart rate or, or uh, specific, you know, focused training. All that. It really was just this love of being outside. Yeah, which, it definitely was. And I, I mean, I also think in the time I was doing it, it was different. I mean, the, the racers nowadays, it's, it's a much more faster, it's much faster. It's much more competitive. I mean, I feel like we were fast. I still have a course record here and there, <laughs> but not very many. And, um, I yeah, ask you, people I are much more serious. People come out of college and there, and there's money, the there's money runners, in trail yeah. racing now. Mm-hmm. So people don't have to just focus on the roads where they can get sponsorship and make money. Now there's, they can go to the trails and, and make money. And I, and I want to ask you about that. So um, how do you feel as you see the sport change? We talk a lot about, you know, our OG crew from around yeah. here that we used <laughs> to always run with. And a lot of these people we're talking about, they're great friends of ours. And, and you knew everybody and you go to the races and it was tight yeah. knit and yeah. you know, everybody slept in their cars or you hung out together. I mean, I think that there's, there's good and bad. Like I, I'm glad that more people are venturing out to the trails and getting that. I mean, what it brings you being out there on the trails, I think is so good for your, for, for you, for your person, for your mental status. Yeah. I mean, you're, you know, and so I'm happy that more people are experiencing that. Um, Is there a part that's, that's but there is a part that I hate that there's so many people now And that it's so commercialized and that it's all about the prize money and it's and it's all about who you run for and what you're wearing. And that seems to be I popping up more and one more. One of the one of the first times um, I really noticed that we went a bunch of us went over to race the Gorge Waterfalls hundred K and it was a, a golden ticket race. So it it drew in a lot of good runners and it's a beautiful course. And um, I remember finishing and it's the last time I got a golden ticket. Was this back <laughs> and, when we all ran it? Yes. Okay. <laughs> and um, I remember finishing, and there was a team, and I won't mention who the team was, but um, a professional team, right, that had raced. And they all just, like, sat in their own little area and mm. didn't really, like, they didn't hang out with everyone. And it was like, you start oh, we're, seeing too, the shift. we're too good for all you other people, you know. And I'm like, that's not how trail running is. Trail running is you race. And you go against each other and then you finish and everybody sits around and has a beer together. And you nobody know? cares what your time and is. And nobody cares. For, yeah. yeah. I mean, people are impressed with the winners yeah. and, you know, which they should be. But it's not, that's not what it's all everybody, about. Everybody's got their story and right? everybody has their reasons for being there and everybody yeah. is equally supported and appreciated well, for the accomplishment yeah. that they did. So, so that part I don't really like. I mean, I remember doing a race in Nevada and um, the Silver State 50 which was always a fun lead up to Western States. And I'm talking to a guy and he's not a fast runner. You know, he's very average and super nice guy though. We're chatting. And then I find out like he is a world-class kayaker. Like oh, wow. if, if you were in the kayaking world, you would be so impressed with this guy. But out there, he's a, he's not a fast runner. So he's just a Nobody pays any attention to him, but like if you really find out about some of these people, they're 
pretty amazing. They have you some know? pretty, which kind of leads to why we're sitting here doing this. Is yeah. like you're hearing all all of this background, even though we've been friends for as long as we have. I didn't know all these things too. It's so amazing to hear people's stories. Yeah, it's really fun. It's so, really, and you can't. Yeah, you don't know when you're out there. You don't until you either. You know, that's where, where the trails are awesome. Is you get that chance to connect with people and and you share right. stories on the trails and or take an opportunity like this to actually sit down and have a conversation. Yeah. But um, so as things have changed. Now, um, how is your relationship with running? Because you're still out almost every day. Yeah. I love seeing your pictures <laughs> on Instagram and Facebook. So, yeah, that's something that changed. Like when I was injured, everything was really slow. Like mm-hmm. I just had to go hike. And so I take my phone with me, which I never had before when I was running generally. And um, and I had my dogs. And so I take pictures of the dogs, you know, because it was just really slow. And then I got really addicted to taking pictures of my dogs. Okay. So that's where it started <laughs> yeah. to shift. Interesting. Yeah. And so then, um, you know, I didn't really want to carry my phone once I started running again. And and my husband now, David, he was like, you should get a GoPro. And I'm like, nah, I don't, that seems like Something too much. Something else to carry. Yeah. But then he got me one for like Christmas and I became addicted because you could just you could keep running. You wouldn't have to stop running because you have a goat. You just turn it on or turn it off and keep running. And so I could get all these super fun pictures of my dogs. So then my runs became more about looking at my stuff afterwards. Like, oh, did I get any good pictures of the dogs? And, and then, your pictures are for people that don't follow you. Um, <laughs> yeah. They should for one. And uh, before we wrap this up, I want to make sure you have a chance to let yeah. people know where to find you. Your pictures are amazing. They're like, just really, I mean, the dogs are so much, they're so happy out there. happiness. Yeah. Exactly. That's what every time I see it, it just, you can't help but smile. Right. And yeah. that's, yeah. So I got really addicted to taking pictures of my dogs. <laughs> well, it was cool as so, we were running today too. I was actually wondering how you did that. It's like, you know, are you stopping and you're yeah. waiting and like calling them and, and you didn't even break stride, you know, no, you kind of might so drop easy. it down by your leg and just hit it real quick, get some shots. And and it's always because they stop to sniff stuff and then they have to run back by. So they're always going fast and they're always yeah. being crazy. And super yeah, cool action it makes, shots. It makes it a lot of fun. You say you're not, you know, you're hamstring isn't necessarily a hundred percent, but you're yeah. feeling solid enough that you're still back out there. Yeah. Kinda. So I love, I mean, I, I don't race much anymore, but I, I go do some mm. and, um, and, and that's fun. I, so I, I had another thing happen to me and now I guess it's been like three years ago. I, I had a stroke. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> so we had, we had, got, and I blame it on this and who knows. This was three years but ago? Yeah. Yeah. About three years ago, we had gone down to do rim to rim to rim, the Grand Canyon, went down, ran it. And you know, so it's a, it's a, a big day. And it's so it was about 55 miles. We started from the North Rim, ran, and then we got back to the North Rim and that's about 10,000 feet, right? And I had gotten dehydrated, of course. It's hot in the Grand Canyon and you're running far and get back up to the North Rim. We sleep at 10,000 feet and then we drive home the next day. So I'm assuming I probably got some sort of blood clot somehow in my leg from being dehydrated and then sitting. Mm. Whatever. But anyway, we get home and we had our first snow. And so we're, I'm like so excited to go for our first snow run with the dogs and get pictures of them in the snow. And it's a Saturday or Sunday morning. And so we go run holes and upper holes where we were today and have a great run, 10 miles, get done, get in the car. And as soon as I get in the car, my vision gets really weird. And I get migraine headaches sometimes and my vision goes off before. And so I assumed going to have a migraine, right? So I get in the car. I I was dog sitting a dog. I get my dogs in the car, this other dog, David gets his dogs in his car. And, um, and I'm sitting there and I was, and he's about to take off. And I'm like, I just have to sit here for a second till I, my vision gets a little better. And he's like, well, I'll just wait a minute, Mm -hmm. you know? 
And so finally, it's not getting better. And I'm like, I just need to drive home so I can lay down and close my eyes for a little bit because that usually makes it better. So I start driving and I can't, my vision's so bad, I can't stay on the road. Oh my God. And I'm going like five miles an hour, you know, and I can't stay on the road. So finally, David's about, he's in front of me. He sees me. He pulls over. He's like, I'm going to drive you home. And I was like, okay, whatever, you know. So I said, but I promised I'd stop and get a a donut for my son. (laughs) You know, so we have to stop and get a donut for my son. So we're driving and I have to, like, if I open my eyes, the double vision's so bad, I can't even see what's going on. So I just sit there with my eyes closed. David goes in and gets a donut. He's like, I think maybe we should bring you to the ER. I think he said, you might be having a stroke or something. I'm like, no, it's just a migraine. Just I just need to go home. And so we get home and getting out of the car, I could. I had trouble walking to get in the house. He kind of helped me. And he fed the dogs, woke my son up and, and said, you know, she's not feeling very well. I sat here on the couch about where I am now. And, uh, and he goes home to feed his dogs and... And my son goes to take a shower and come out. And I think he could tell, like, I was not right. And I, he called David. David's like, you should call 911. And I, and I can kind of hear this, but not. And I'm like, it's just not no, registering. no, don't do it. You know, I'm fine. <laughs> and then the next thing I hear is sirens. And I'm like, no, you didn't call the ambulance. So paramedics come in the front door. And Holy thank goodness, crap. the first person that walks in is a friend of mine who is a paramedic. And I was like, Oh, Dave, I'm sorry you're here. I said, I think I'm fine. I don't know what's going on. And they do some, you know, they take some blood, they do some assessments. And he's like, I don't know what's going on, Joel, but you should probably go get checked out. And and I was like, okay, but I don't need to go in an ambulance, you know. So David had like driven back here 100 miles an hour and he takes me and I made sure, I'm like, okay, get me a Diet Coke, you know, as we're driving. You and Diet Coke. <laughs> like, you know, I'm like, okay, we'll go. And I, I was talking like some gibberish things, you know, like, I, I really wanted. Do you wanted, realize at this point how bad you, you I still think it's just a migraine. Really? Yeah. And so we go to the ER and it takes a while to get in. You have to wait in the waiting room, right? Is and it still getting worse? Or yeah. Are you kind of. No, it's, I mean, my vision, I can't open my eyes. And are you freaking out at this point? Or are you not still really. kind of like, I'm hey, you're much, all overreacting? Yeah, I'm pretty much, it's a migraine. We get back into the ER and then the doctors are like, we think they do like a CT scan. We think maybe you're having a stroke. Holy and they're shit. like, we want to give you, a, you know, they, how long has it been? When did the symptoms start? Blah, blah. And it was within the three or four hours that they can give you this medicine TPA that is basically a clot buster. Okay. And if you are having a stroke, it can break up that clot so it doesn't get worse, right? So they're like, we want to give you this. And is that, a, you know, you'll have to stay the night in the hospital and all this. And I said, I guess, you know, I think I'm You're fine. You're just feeling like you're burdening everybody yeah. for a migraine. And so they, they do like a bolus of the medicine and then drip it in through the IV. And within... And I remember, I remember another doctor coming in, and I and I asked her, um, "Is my vision going to be okay? Is this going to get better?" And she's like, "I don't know." And I, that's what really freaked Freak me out. out. Like to not be able to see right. is a really, really scary, scary thing. So anyway, within 15 minutes of them giving this medicine, like my vision starts to clear up. And does it start to hit you at that point? No, <laughs> I think it's a coincidence. I'm like, really? well, my migraine's getting better. And they're, and so anyway, they're like, well, you have to stay the night in the ICU because we gave you this medicine that you could bleed out. You know, you're, you could have a brain bleed. And I'm like, I have to, the ICU, you've got to be kidding me. So they, 
And then I get this terrible headache. And you're in the medical field. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Then I get a a bad headache. And so they take me back to CT scan because maybe I'm bleeding, right? But I'm like, no, I just have, I never drank that Diet Coke because I was so out of it. (laughs) And I'm so used to having caffeine from Diet Coke that I hadn't had any all day. That was what my headache. So you're just trying to, you're telling yourself this story that it's. (laughs) Right? Okay. It was So anyway, so they take me up to the ICU and I have to stay there. And this is COVID time too. So everybody's all geared up anytime they have to come in your room. And then I'm a runner. So my heart rate is like 40, you know, Mm -hmm. when you're resting. And so the monitor is always going off because they have it set to like 60 or something. And, and so they always have to gown up and come in. But that night they did an MRI and confirmed it was a stroke. Really? So then I I was convinced (laughs) once I had an MRI that told me it was a stroke, but then they also saw two like, other previous small strokes in my brain, which I, yeah, I've never had symptoms like this before. Holy crap. So what does that change for you at that point? They're, I mean, who knows? They're like, we don't know why you have it. And so they do all these other tests and I find I have this um, little hole in my heart, which is, it's not an uncommon thing. They say like 25% of people have it. Usually when you're born, this hole closes, like with your first breath. But for some reason, with 25% of people, it doesn't ever close. And it's never a problem unless you have a stroke. So if you get a blood clot and somehow it gets through that hole in your heart, and then it can travel to your brain. So they then they want to monitor my heart, and so I have to wear this heart monitor home. What, and they almost th- what are you thinking at this point? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, when do I get a run? <laughs> yeah, where's, where's my Diet Coke? <laughs> right? Where's my, so they did give me Diet Coke in the ICU, though, so I was very happy. I'm like, just keep it coming. But uh, yeah, so I went. They almost didn't let me leave the next day, but luckily I work for a neurologist, and he convinced them to let me go home. <laughs> You work for yeah. a neurologist. <laughs> right? Right, it worked out That's really like well. That's like a punchline to a joke here. So I got to go home the next day with a heart monitor on, just the kind that sticks on you. Mm. And I said, can I run? You know, and they're like, yeah, it's probably best for us to see what's going on with your normal activity. But do they know how you run? <laughs> so, the next, so the next day, so I had the stroke on Sunday, I think. I got home on Monday. So Tuesday, I go for a run with the dogs in the hills. And it was... Amazing, you know, oh my and I felt, and I really felt, thank God I didn't have any side effects from mm. the stroke. I mean, I didn't That's what have, I was going to ask. Yeah, yeah. All my, yeah, all my arms, legs, everything worked fine. No loss the of only motor thing, function. The only thing I've really noticed was uh, I, my memory is definitely, I have issues with it mm. since that. Um but I also, they also put me on a blood thinner, so I had to be, you know, like I'd run into something and I never get a bruise. Like it takes a lot for me to bruise and I would just have all these bruises on me from this mm. blood thinner. But I only had to be on it for two weeks and then I got to be off of it. How do, yeah, you, feel, so, how do you feel now? So then they wanted, so my heart monitor didn't show anything, so then they wanted to implant a heart monitor. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and they were like, for like three months so we can watch it. So then I had this thing implanted and it's it's pretty minor they just put it under your skin. So I still have that in. They monitor it for like three years. And my heart is actually really good. I don't have atrial fibrillation, which is what they kind of look for. So do they have to go in and like replace a battery periodically? No, no, it's good for like three years. But so now I don't monitor it anymore because I just actually stopped like last month because I'm like, it's fine. There's... You told me I had to have it for three months. It's been three years, and there's been no problems. <laughs> so, so do they have to go take it so out or anything? They, they or? can leave it in, or you can have it taken out. Interesting. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It's, yeah, it doesn't bother me. I mean, there's like a little lump there, but other than that, it's not. 
nothing to worry. It's nothing to and, worry and about. And now you feel... So I feel good. I take a baby aspirin every day, and that's really all I do different. Really? But I do, um, I think about it sometimes. Like if I had a really hard effort, you know, like a really long run where you get dehydrated. If and, you're not and feeling things. like on point, it starts to yeah. kind of... Mm. I had one day where I passed out randomly in the morning. Then you're always like... Is that, was that something? Was, you know, <laughs> right. everything is always, oh, is that something? A hundred steps ahead immediately. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I still, like the other day I was running and my vision got blurry. and But I kind of know the difference now. Like, oh, yeah, that's just a normal migraine. It's not mm-hmm. like it like it was that day. Right. So. I guess that really, I mean, because as runners, we're pretty in tune with our bodies yeah. and how it feels. But I guess that would really change the game. I yeah. Mean. But the one thing it really changed. So, so David got me this uh, Apple Watch for... For Christmas, he gave it to me early because I had a stroke. <laughs> and, but anyway, but because it monitors your heart rate and and all that sort of stuff. And you can like, if you have your phone with you, you can contact with this Apple Watch. And he wanted me not to be alone in oh, the head because okay. I spend a lot of time mm-hmm. by myself running with the dogs. And uh, But so that was the first time I ever had a watch that was smart <laughs> and could tell me how far I was running, right? Oh. So. So this is my first time I had. So now you're just finally kind of starting to. <laughs> so now I'm coming around. That's fine. So so he immediately put me on Strava. He's <laughs> like, oh, you could be on Strava now. So now I, yeah, now you got now, through all the the competitive years and all that, and now yeah. you're fine. And now <laughs> I'm. And now I'm. Like, I was like, man, I could have really done better if I did the Strava stuff when I was racing. <laughs> or you would have been distracted. I mean, or I, I really think that could have been, been your same. superpower. Is that yeah. you were just. You didn't get distracted by all the other stuff. You were yeah. just in it. Now, sometimes you're like, oh, I better run faster because everybody's going to know how slow I'm running. Yeah, right I struggle with that too. <laughs> I was on Strava for a while and, you know, we're all chasing our own little yeah. FKTs around here right? or just tracking our runs and stuff. And I realized that I was paying too much attention to it and chasing too many other, yeah. um, I don't know, what, the segments or whatever yeah. to where I actually turned mine off to private. Well, and I would always make fun of people like, you know, you're running along and you stop for talk to somebody. Second, they got to stop their watch and they got to yeah. stop their watch. And I yeah. always make fun of that. And now I find myself doing the same stopping thing. my watch. Yeah. <laughs> David said the other day, I saw you stop your watch. And we stopped. I'm like, oh, yeah, I yeah. did, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. Or you, you see, you know, it's when you stop to take a picture, you yeah. think about that stuff. I better and, stop my watch so it doesn't yeah. look like I'm running slow. I did that. Who I did cares? that for a lot of years too, where I would do that to where now it's, you know, you let it run. It's just, it's, it's kind of to your yeah. point of, you're just, you're out there. The whole you're point in, of being out there is to be out there. It absolutely. doesn't really matter how, what my minute per mile was. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody um, really cares. Um, one thing I did want to ask you about is you uh, are a race director. Oh, yes. Can you tell me a little bit about your race? So I ended up, um, the, the foothills here, which are amazing, have a certain amount of races that can be put on per year in the foothills through permits. And it's just a couple. And they had an opening. And so uh, my friend Holly encouraged me to, maybe you should put on a race because she puts on races. And um, so I was like, oh, I should do like a trail marathon. That'd be so great. So I made this course up and and I got all the permits and my Instagram was Dirty Dog Runner. And so I'm like, well, I'm going to call it the Dirty Dog Run. Even though dogs don't run in it, it's still like often dog themed. It's, and it's, dogs. it's fitting with yeah. With, yeah. And, it, and it's been really fun. I ended up People encouraged me to put in a half marathon too because not everybody wants to run 26 miles on the trails. The course is pretty hard. It's awesome, but it's not easy. So I put in a half and that's become like everybody does the half. That's the favorite distance. I mean, there's more people that run half marathons than trail marathons, right? But it's been really fun. Uh, 
I've always had, I think, a lot more women racing, which I mm. love to see. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of the same people that come every year. And yeah, we have a we always have a taco truck at the finish line. Oh, and that's it's just perfect. kind of a big party. It's kind it's, of back to what it was. It like is. The feel of what it was. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, always super hot because the, the opening was like the beginning of July that I could do the race. Mm. So, I mean, of course, the trails will always be in good shape, but it can be really hot. Be a little toasty. <laughs> but it's fun to see the people, you know, that come and do it and finish their first trail race. Or, I mean, I have, there's a guy here, um, Uli, and oh, he's, Uli. he's one of the, legend. the really OGs. I yeah. mean, there's a part on the Hard Rock course named for him, the Cam Traverse. It's yeah. named after him. And he does the marathon and he's... I don't know exactly how old he is, late 70s. And he hikes, power walks the whole thing, and he's amazing. He's, uh, and I remember in his little, his Jansport backpack, yep. and he's got his little Tupperware of salt. Yeah. And he pours and out, he measures it out. Regular water bottles. Totally. Yeah. yeah. He just throws in his Jansport. Yeah. But that guy is, yeah, he's the OG. You know, like and, you said, And hard watching rock. him cross the finish line is always just the best yeah and he doesn't want to talk go out he's just like okay i'm done time to go home and be with my wife yeah you know? <laughs> he just he did his thing and yeah did his thing and on to the next one yeah. so yeah things like that are really really cool so what advice would you give somebody who might be struggling with their own um like they want to incorporate some exercise yeah. they want to even maybe get out for walks or maybe they're interested in trying to get into running and moving into trail running what advice would you give somebody to uh Gosh, i i mean just do it you know uh, it's, it's hard starting even now that I run, I've run for so long and I've run most days. Sometimes the first mile is really hard. It always sucks. And, and, <laughs> and maybe for a you know, person that's just getting into it, they're only going to do a mile and the first 400 yards is like the worst thing ever. Mm -hmm. Right. But it makes you feel so much better afterwards and being out there. I mean, I like the trails the most just because, um, I love the scenery. Mm. I love, uh, being away from as many people, as many noises, sure. um, just to hear the birds or the creek or the you don't run with music or any... I, I've never run with music and people that do, I mean, nothing against them. I know people that have a great time out there listening to podcasts and listening to, yeah. which is, which, I mean, sometimes it probably would have made me run faster if I had some, some good music or something, but no, I just like, I like to hear my dogs You're um yeah. yeah there's a coyote howling over here it's yeah it's definitely my happy place um i mean i'm i'm addicted to it for sure uh which i think is not the worst addiction although you know we get injured and then we just keep running but that's just runners yeah, yeah. um <laughs> we're stubborn we're really stubborn and then we complain about our injuries but we're not going to do anything to make them better we're just going to complain about them right but you know i on a day that i don't get to go running i do find myself a little, a little grumpier or mm. a little you know just a little edgier yeah and um but if i get out for a run it just even if it's you know, for us these days, like a, it's short. I mean, it's six miles is a short run, right? But it's still so worth it to get yeah. out there and and yeah, just spend time in nature. I think is is the best. And I mean, there's a lot of people that like running on the roads too. And if that's your thing, and if that's what makes you happy, do do that. Yeah. But but get your body moving a little bit that's and it. and get away from. I don't know. I think like just the noise of. There's so social media is everything these days yeah. and everything's streaming and everything's available and you can sit in your house all day long and never have to go anywhere. But 
Yeah, so I don't think it's I don't think it's good for <laughs> good for us either. to do that. And I actually I actually like your approach, and I've, I've been trying to do that more too. Where get out and let yourself disconnect and hear the sounds and really experience what's around you and right? pay attention and you know keep your head up because it's so easy just to get lost in thought because we have so many things coming at us and so many distractions that it's uh, the mental health side of things. I I don't think you can speak enough about no. the benefits of just being outside and what that does um, for your head. Yeah. That and you know four dogs. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's really good for your dogs too. Yeah, right. <laughs> People yeah. always ask like, how do you have a household with four big dogs? And I'm like, they're always tired. Yeah. I, I run <laughs> they, them until they, they sleep. They go running and then they're super mellow at home. Yeah. I mean, they're all sitting around us right now. Just, I mean, just they're just chilling, chilling yeah. out. I mean, and you know, dogs on the trails, they're just, they're always happy. And I think that's what it's all about. I see, sometimes I see people out there and they're just not happy. And I'm like, what, why are, why are you doing, why it? are you out here? Yeah. <laughs> you should be happy and you should say hi to everybody. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so important. Right? And, the and connection. you're just like, nobody else gets to see this right now, Yeah, but we do. And share, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then sharing those smiles with all the people that you see. I know. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's why you do it. Yeah. Well, let me, uh, let me ask you. For people that want to learn a little bit more about you, learn a little bit more about your race, um, where can people okay. find you online? Um, I'm on Instagram, which is where I always put my pictures of my dogs. So if you don't like dogs, don't. <laughs> it's pretty much all it is. Um, and I, I had, uh, it was Dirty Dog Runner, but I got scammed and it got oh, taken is that over. Why it changed? Yeah. Okay. So now it's Dirty Dog Runner underline two. Okay. So dirty dog, dirty runner, dog runner underscore two. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and on that's, Instagram. that's Instagram. I mean, I'm on Facebook, Joelle Vaught. I need to change it, <laughs> <laughs> but I haven't yet. Um, I'm on Strava too. That's right. Connect yeah. with you now on yeah. Strava. I mean, I've enjoyed Strava as far as I've met several people. Um, we'll end up, you know, you have the local legends, right? Yeah. And so-and-so stole your local legend. Right. And so I started chatting with different people, like, you keep stealing my local legend. Like a good <laughs> friend now, Riley, he, you know, we stole each other's local legend a bunch of times. And so we chatted through Strava and then we met on the trail and he's just an awesome, awesome guy. Um, another friend, Antone, you know, we met through Strava and now he's joined us at some races oh, and, nice. and getting to know these people is kind of fun. Do you think it's different now kind of rebuilding community again where you're at now from when it was when you first got into running because it's almost like you know now that you're getting back into these things and like Strava and all that it's reconnecting with that tribe you know the like-minded people do you see that you're finding more enjoyment in those connections now or is it just different I think it's just different I don't know I mean I, I think I have a lot of the same connections as I always had they become friends for life once you once you run together, you yeah, know, I, I think. But yeah, I've met new people, um, a lot of younger people. So it's it's interesting to see the, the new generation of people coming yeah. into. Because for a long time, I swear, like we'd never see people younger than us out there. And like, where is the next generation of runners? Right. And it seemed to take a while. But now I feel like around here, there is a new generation of trail runners and and, you know, Boise's kind of been a hot spot lately. Like we've yeah, gotten really some has. really uh, talented, talented runners that have moved here. And it's, I mean, when I was racing, I was one of the only people that was really like sponsored racing that people might know your name or something yeah. from trail racing in particular. I mean, we have amazing triathletes here that people would know, or, True. you know, there's a lot of amazing athletes, but now like there's a whole group of trail sponsored 
athletes that live in Boise that are just trail runners, which yeah, is pretty really cool to see. Yeah, it really has become a hotbed. Yeah. yeah, unless you want a crown instead. I know, right? If you're a guy getting a crown in Boise, you're oh, like, it's not oh. happening. <laughs> like, I, like I told you, I've seen it's, the ones I've had. They're slowly dis- right? I just saw one disappear a couple months ago, and it's like, well, I'm probably not getting those. I think back. it was last summer. I saw it's like somebody stole your crown, right? And um, I looked her up, and I was like, oh, well, she's going to be getting a lot of crown. Yeah. You know, she's early twenties, mid twenties. Yeah. yeah, you know, runs for Salmon. But oh, I was geez. like, but you run with a dog, so I'm happy for you to take any of my crowns. There you go. If you have a dog with you, that's funny. <laughs> well, um, I really appreciate you taking oh, the time. Gosh, it's so uh, good to, to talk t- to you. Yeah, you too, and sharing uh, your house and, and yeah. the company with your dogs. <laughs> I will ask you one uh, last question here, and then I will let you uh, get back to your diet coke. Yeah, and yeah. Your day. Oh my gosh. What's the legacy that you want to leave behind? When people think of you and think of your name, what do you want people to think of? Um, I hope they think of just that I was always smiling out there. Mm-hmm. I think I, I got that a lot in a lot of races. Um, I, I just wasn't as serious maybe, or maybe I just enjoyed it more. I don't know. But I would always be pretty happy. Yeah. Um, so maybe that uh, just enjoy yourself while you're out there. We're, we're very fortunate. I mean, as you see the world today, I mean, there's so much bad Mm -hmm. and there's so much devastation and there's so many people that are suffering. And I have the opportunity to go run on a trail with my dogs, you know, we're so fortunate. Yeah. We should just realize how fortunate we are and be happy about it and be nice to other people when you're out there. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, let the dogs enjoy it too. I mean, yeah. let the dogs out. <laughs> let the dogs out. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. They're, it's a place where they can run and and get to be their own little selves out there too. So yeah, I love that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. It's, thank uh, you. I think that's that's a great place to stop. Uh, and again, thank you so much for taking uh, the time. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Thank you to my friend and guest, Joelle Fott, for joining me on this episode of the Run From The Norm podcast. And as always, I would like to extend my sincere appreciation to you, our listeners, for your continued support and encouragement along the way. In an ongoing effort to improve content and my hosting abilities, you can send comments and suggestions to me directly at runfromthenorm at gmail.com. I also encourage you to visit our website at www.runfromthenorm.com for updates on new podcast episodes, access to our online store where we have some Run From The Norm merch for sale, which goes directly to supporting this podcast, and you will also find a newsletter sign-up link if you'd like us to notify you when a new podcast episode is released. Additionally, for the month of January, we will be releasing a new episode every week before we settle into a bi-weekly release schedule starting in February. So please follow the show and watch for episode three coming soon. You can also now find the Run From The Norm podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, as well as our host platform, Podbean. And with that, my friends, episode two is complete. I wish you health and happiness as you continue your journey throughout the day. And I hope we have succeeded in our mission to motivate with compassion, listen without judgment, inspire with curiosity, one person at a time. Check that mic and make sure it sound right, boy.